kindergarten grade six. Thank you, Matthew. Hello, everyone. My name is Zach, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Seven Oaks. Uh, I just want to welcome you here. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us in the chapel. Uh, if you're joining us uh, online uh, through the live stream, we're glad that you're here as well. And to anyone who's watching this in the future, uh, we're glad that you're here also. Um, this is, uh, we're at the midway point in uh, our series called Be Prepared, where we're uh, pausing and, and, and stopping and spending some time reflecting on five big questions that I think everyone at some point in their life probably uh, ponders. And uh, in, in, case you, uh, in case you missed it, um, uh, week one, uh, Pastor Brian talked to, talked to us about uh, the, the question of, is the Bible reliable? Uh, and then in week two, uh, Pastor Jamie walked us uh, through the question of uh, why God allows evil. And, um, and uh, yeah, so today we're going we're gonna to keep going. And you, if you haven't heard those, I, I would encourage you, um, to go back. You can go on our website. You can listen to them. We have, it's available on podcasts. You can listen to it. In fact, if, you are, if, you're, if you're watching this now in the future, one day in the future, uh, and you haven't heard those messages, I would encourage you to press the pause button, go back and listen to those, and then come and rejoin us uh, in this moment here. But those of you, you're stuck here. So you, if you haven't listened to those, you can't go do that right now. Or you could, but it'd be really awkward. Um, but I would encourage you this week, spend some time going to find those uh, on our website um, and engaging with them, because I think they're uh, all really, really meaningful. I can't get to our question this morning without having at least some brief commentary on Pastor Jamie's intro from last week. Uh, someone, okay, someone laughed. That's good. That's a good sign. Someone remembered. Um, la- last week, Pastor Jamie started off uh, uh, his sermon by talking about how he and I share a deep appreciation for association football, what you probably more commonly know as soccer, okay? And Pastor Jamie, as he told you last week, is a fan of Manchester United. And I am a supporter of FC Bayern München, or Bayern Munich. And um, now, if you are here last week, oh, you're, you're, go, go back, oh, okay, we're, we'll leave it there. Don't move, leave that there. Now, um, I don't, as a general rule, like to contradict Jamie, okay? That's not, that's not, that's not how I like to roll. Um, but um, I think I want to just pause here, and I just want to share with you some data, uh, some information, <laughs> some facts, and allow you to draw some conclusions for yourself. Because what Jamie did at the beginning of the service last week as he was answering or looking to discuss the question of uh, why God allows evil, he said, I thought I should just come out and hold a picture of Bayern Munich's logo and just say, God, why does this exist? And I don't know how you heard that, but I heard him sort of saying that Bayern Munich is evil, and by contrast, that Manchester United is good. And so I think there's a couple things we need to look at here. First is, just take a look at the logos. So Bayern Munich here on your right, Manchester United on the left. Now, which one of these looks evil? Right? For those of you who don't know, Manchester United's nickname is the Red Devils. They've had an image of Satan on their crest for off and on for the better part of the last seven or eight decades. Okay? You can go to the, go to the next slide. Okay, here's some of their achievements. Okay? Uh, domestic championships. That looks good for me. 
Uh, cups, it's close, but also you need to know they have an extra cup competition, so that's kind of skewed. And then continental, international uh, trophies also looks uh, very, very good. Now, here's the thing. Um, don't, don't change the slide yet, Brian. Um, here's the thing. Um, I was surprised last week when Jamie chose to open with this because it's not just that he knew I was preaching the week after him. He knew that between last Sunday and today, in fact, this Wednesday, Bayern Munich and Manchester United were playing in the UEFA Champions League group stage opening match. And so why why don't we just look at the results from that game? (laughs) Oh, look at that. Look at that. Actually, whoa, hang on. So 2-0 to Bayern Munich. Now, I actually just, I, I need to correct something here. This, you can go to the next slide, Brad. This is actually the UEFA Youth League. The under-19 teams played earlier on Wednesday. Let's go look at the score from when the full teams played later. Oh, there we go. Bayern Munich 4, Manchester United 3. It was a little closer, but obviously, um, I think the right team, the good team at football, uh, came, came, came out on top. Now, all of that to say um, that I think Jamie was leading you a bit astray when it comes to our favorite football clubs. And as a side note, the good thing is that uh, I believe that Jamie does not lead people astray in his theology. I think his theology is sound. I wouldn't contradict any of that. I think he's great in that. But I share this with you because I think it illustrates a bit of a significant point, especially when we're going to be talking about two specific areas today. In our culture, in the world in general, some things get portrayed in a certain way. And once that people have seen them in an inaccurate light, it's hard for them to then see them in their true light. And this is the case for the two civic areas we're going to look at today, as we're going to be talking about science, and we're going to be talking about faith. Our question, it's simply this, are science and faith compatible I want to pause for a moment here and just make sure we're on the same page. What are we talking about when we talk about faith and science? Uh, For some of you, this might seem basic, but we're going to go over this really quick. Merriam-Webster.com, the dictionary, describes science this way. Science is uh, knowledge or a system of knowledge covering general truths or the operation of general laws, especially as obtained and tested through the scientific method. Such knowledge or such a system of knowledge concerned with the physical world and its phenomena, also known as natural science. And in case you forget um, scientific method from from, uh, your days in school, which I did a little bit, um, uh, it is, the scientific method is principles and procedures for the systematic pursuit of knowledge involving the recognition and formulation of a problem, the collection of data through observation and experiment, and the formulation of testing uh, hypotheses. Okay, science is a word that comes from the Latin uh, for knowledge, awareness, and understanding. Let's look at uh, faith. Merriam-Webster.com describes faith in this way. Allegiance, allegiance to duty or a person, belief and trust in and loyalty to God, something that is believed especially with strong conviction, especially a system of religious beliefs. Faith is derived from the Latin word to trust. Uh, the Bible, of course, describes faith in this way in, in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, the, the, that faith hall of fame passage in verse 1 where it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now even based on these uh, kind of simple definitions, just hearing them or, or reading them on the screen, I'm guessing that there might be some in this room or there might be some uh, who are watching uh, at home in their living room 
who um, might already have a sense that uh, you know how to answer this question, or you, or you have a, a tingling of how this question should be answered. Science is about gaining knowledge by observing and collecting data so that you can prove something to be true. Faith is all about trust, belief, hope, and confidence. And you might be thinking those two things do not seem to, to go together kind of naturally. And so maybe they're not so compatible. And if that thought crossed your mind, I would say that you're, you're not alone, especially in this day and age. We live in a time where discord between science and faith is presented and pushed as the status quo. It's like there's this, supposedly this ongoing perpetual war between the two. And that is because we live in a time of secularism. Secularism is about uh, living life based on naturalistic conditions, uninvolved with religion, having nothing to do with faith. And it can also be referred to, uh, secularism can also be referred to as naturalism. And, and this is a significant proponent of the atheistic worldview. It says that there is nothing other than what we can experience with our, with our senses, nothing that we can, we, can, um, we can know about in the physical world. And I believe this sets up a false dichotomy. Again, science is based on demonstrable evidence and deep thinking and rational justification, while faith is about avoiding the evidence and holding firm to some ancient irrational beliefs. And I don't believe it's either or. I don't believe these things are against each other. And I think, I think the answer to our question uh, is, is actually more in the positive, that science and faith are actually compatible. And so I want to spend a little bit of our time this morning talking about a few reasons why uh, I think that they are compatible. The first is that science, uh, as we have come to understand it, is actually it germinated, it blossomed, and it came to bear fruit out of the fertile soil of the garden of faith. The scientific revolution that took place in the 16th and 17th centuries was in the midst of a culture that was centered on faith and Christianity in particular. Science didn't flourish at various points throughout history uh, when it was immersed in other types of environments. There was other climates that it did not flourish in. For example, cultures centered on animism. Animism claims that, that God is in all aspects of nature. God is in the water. God is in the stone. God is in the plant. And if God is in everything, you can't engage the scientific method on anything because deified objects can't be subjected to scientific objective analysis. You can't cut open the rock and, and figure out what's going on, what it is, what's inside, what's it made of, because it, it is, it's, it's like a god. Cultures that are polytheistic, uh, with polytheistic religions also stunted scientific endeavor because you can't study the sun when people are afraid that you'll upset the sun god, right? You can't come and say, hey, we want to we know how these crops grew. So we're going to study how the rain falls when the, when the people are like, no, you, you can't. We pray to the rain god, the rain god sends the rain. Don't mess with that. And so science never flourished in, 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 in scenarios like that. Um, and uh, finally... Uh, in cultures, uh, and one other example, in cultures where Buddhism was, was prevalent or predominant, uh, the predominant worldview, science was also thwarted there because for the Buddhist, everything in the world is an illusion. And therefore, it makes no sense to study the world because your findings would therefore also be illusions. So there's all kinds of different scenarios in history where 
faith did not, um, it was not fertile soil for faith to grow and to develop. However, faith-centered cultures were the exact welcoming place for science to be nurtured and to grow and to develop. As Christians, we highly value the world as we believe that it was created by God. And so understanding God's creation is something that we yearn for. It's something that we long for. It's something that we care about. And this is the exact climate that fostered the growth of science. Secularism would try and distort that picture. Um, It would have you believe that faith communities, Christianity, and the church were actually against science. But that, we've come to see, is actually revisionist history. From the 12th century onward, it was Christians who developed schools, institutions of learning where theology, studying uh, who God is and his creation, would go on to shape the world. Some would tell you stories of how the church persecuted people of science because they were people of science. People like uh, Giordano, Bruno, uh, Copernicus, Galileo, maybe those are names you've heard before. Um, People often will trot those names out and say, look, the the church persecuted those scientists because they were scientists. But historians now tell us that none of these individuals were actually persecuted by the church because of science or because of their engagement in science. They were, a totally side note, and we don't have a time to go down this, this rabbit trail. Those individuals were persecuted by the church, but it was because of their theology. Uh, the heresy that they grew to develop and believe in, uh, and it had nothing to do with their science. Again, we could, we could talk about that a lot, but we won't this morning. Um, Canadian pastor and author Mark Clark dives into th- to this topic deeply in his book, The Problem of God. Uh, Clark looks at, ten problems that, um, looks at ten problems that the skeptic has towards Christianity, and he tackles them one at a time. The, the problem of science is the first chapter in his book. And uh, within that chapter, he quotes the scholar Alistair McGrath in in McGrath's book called Twilight of Atheism, The Rise and Fall of the Disbelief in the Modern World, where McGrath states this, the idea that science and religion are are in perpetual conflict is no longer taken seriously by any major historian of science. One of the last remaining bastions of atheism, which survives only at the popular level, namely the myth that atheistic, fact-based science is permanently at war with faith-based religion. Historians of science, uh, the, the perspective of historians of science on this subject is that the modern scientific enterprise came to fruition out of Christianity, not in spite of it. Christian faith is not opposed to or afraid of science. It helped give it life. There's a lot more we could go in on this one, um, but we we don't want to be here all day, and we have some other things we want to talk about. But um, I think this is really important, right? That faith actually kind of grew out of, uh, sorry, science grew out of faith, in essence. So whenever you hear someone say, oh, yeah, faith has always been against science, that's not actually true when you, when you study it and when you look at it. Uh, the second reason that I believe that we can hold the position that faith and science are actually compatible um, is that science and faith are actually trying to answer two different sets of questions. And uh, just like, um, like, okay, so what are those questions that they're trying to ask? How would we categorize the questions? I think that this comes down to a discussion of physics and metaphysics, okay? And um, 
Science is focused on physics or the study, of the, uh, study and evaluation of our physical world. Faith, along with other things like theology and philosophy, are focused on metaphysics. Metaphysics is a word we get from the Greek where meta means after, or it might be more helpful to think of it as beyond. So metaphysics is beyond physics, beyond the physical world. Uh, this week, uh, I was hanging out with a couple of guys from our, from our young adults uh, group that meets uh, on Tuesday evenings in the upper room. And we had come through the season in the summer where we had, for a, number, well, a long period of time, we've been reading uh, Francis Chan's Multiply book together, so we finished that. At the end of the summer, we spent a couple weeks on Colossians and Philemon because that was tied into our summer series here as a church, and we thought it would be good to, to do that. And so when, uh, when it came to this week, those who could be there, I said to them, hey, are you okay with a one-off? And they said, yeah, sure. I said, okay, this is what I would love for us to do tonight. There's a lecture happening, and we're not going to go to the lecture, but we can actually follow it on Zoom. And it's actually at our sister church in Coquitlam, Coquitlam Alliance. And I said, are you guys okay with that? And they said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so we joined a number of people over in Coquitlam where Dr. Ian Proven from Regent College was there to discuss his latest book. His book is called Cuckoos in Our Nest, Truth and Lies About Being Human. And I thought this would be a really good idea um, because it would create some good discussion uh, on some topics that I think are challenging in our current cultural moment. And, um, and there was a whole bunch of interesting things that happened in that, but I was pleasantly surprised when, his, when the first of the four subjects that he spoke on was science. And specifically, he broke down this concept of physics versus metaphysics. And this is the way Dr. Proven talked about it. He talked about how science is about discovering what is. Okay, what, what, is, what is in our physical world? But science is not about discovering what ought to be. So science can tell you a lot about our physical world, but it doesn't how, tell you how you ought to live in that physical world. Again, things like faith, theology, philosophy, other disciplines will answer the questions of what ought to be. The secularist or the naturalist or the atheist runs into issues when they try to apply, apply their approach to science in the realm of metaphysics. So when they take science from the world of physics and try to apply it to metaphysics, there's a bit of a breakdown. Um, so in their view, one can only rationally believe in what you can verify with evidential proof. So when it comes to issues like morals or ethics, they tend to have trouble with backing up their claims from a, that scientific perspective. One example of this uh, would be, one might observe in the wild that a cheetah will chase, kill, and then eat a gazelle. This is part of what the naturalist view would say is uh, survive. This is like about survival for the cheetah. It's, it's, it's living out, it's, 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 it's trying to survive, and this is what it does. However, when a human takes the life of another human, we, we, don't, we don't call that survival, we call that murder. So how can one back this up from a scientific perspective? If, if the world is all about survival, how does that work? And creation is filled with all kinds of violence that we as humans do not allow to be a part of how we ought to behave. But you can't support this from a strictly scientific perspective. And so that, that falls down. In one sense, science needs to, to stay in its lane. It needs to stay focused on physics, telling us about what is and allow the other disciplines to inform our understanding 
of what ought to be. Okay, so uh, I think science and faith, there's a compatibility there because I think science came out of faith. I think uh, there's a compatibility there because they're actually answering kind of two different sets of questions. And one last reason that I'd like to provide for, for there being, for us being able to hold this position of compatibility is that I believe science helps us understand um, and gives us insight into the world, the physical world that God has created for us. I would say that science points us to God. Um, uh, you can, uh, a way to think about this is you can follow the arrows. And let me just talk to you a little bit about the arrows. So um, we, believe, um, we believe that God is a God who, uh, who didn't just create the world and walk away and wanted nothing to do with it. We believe that God is transcendent and God wants to engage with his creation. And so one of the key things about that is God has chosen to reveal himself to his creation. And God has done, uh, chosen to do that by two, two uh, specific ways. One, we call God specific revelation, which is the word of God, the Bible. The other way that we will talk about this is God's general revelation to humanity, which is the rest of uh, creation. Now, over the years, as I've talked to, to young people about this, I've talked to students about this, I'll often say to them, um, you know, the Bible, uh, if, you, if we go to the Old Testament, the Old Testament is kind of like a giant arrow that is pointing forward. And it's pointing forward to who Jesus is and what he has done. His life, death, and resurrection. His ascending to heaven and us waiting for his return. The Old Testament is an arrow that points forward to Jesus. And then I'll tell students, I'll say the New Testament. The New Testament is also an arrow. But it's an arrow that points us back towards Jesus. Who he is and what he has done. And so in one sense... Um, these arrows, we need to follow them, and they help us understand who Jesus is. This week, uh, as getting ready for this morning, I had some time to hang out with Pastor Matthew um, just to talk about what songs might be meaningful and where this all was going and all that kind of stuff. And as I was talking to him about this, I don't know if this was Providence Matthew or this was just, uh, just something that floated into your mind or whatever. But we're talking about, talking about this subject specifically and how science can, can point us towards, towards God. And you use the language of science is like an arrow that points us towards God. And I, and I believe that that is true, that science can point us towards God. Now, um, if, if uh, there was a, like a, uh, an atheist or whatever here, they would say, look, you, science cannot prove the existence of God, and they would walk through a whole bunch of different reasons why that is. And as Christians, I think we can be okay, and we can be comfortable with that perspective. But I think we can also push, push back and, and say that, okay, it's, we understand why you would say science cannot, um, science cannot prove to us that God exists, right? Because science is this study of the physical world, right? But I think we would all say, for multiple reasons, that there are all kinds of these things that as we study this world, that actually point us to God, that point us to a creator. So yeah, science is an arrow that although it may not prove the existence of God, I believe, believe that it points humanity to, towards him. A, a couple quick examples of these, and these are all really deep, and we won't dive too deep into them, but 
uh, one of the, the stumbling blocks for like evolutionists or atheists or whatever is the human eye. The human eye is so complex that it, I, I'm not a scientist in, in case you didn't know. Um, maybe one day I'll play one on TV. But um, it, the human eye is so complex that um, it doesn't make sense to, to evolutionists that it's, 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 it is where it is and it hasn't taken longer to develop. If that, if that makes sense. And so that's a stumbling block. But again, it's something that points to someone made this in this way. Someone made uh, all these things to work together in this specific way. Uh, there's all kinds of different uh, things uh, within, um, within science that point to this idea that there's this design in our world. And a, a design uh, requires a designer, right? Again, these, these not, this is not the language that we would refer to God as. But it, these are arrows that point people toward God. Uh, who knows the name Francis Collins? Does anyone know the name Francis Collins? Oh, yeah, okay. I'm not surprised, sir. Um, Francis Collins, um, you, you might not know his name, but you might recognize him or you've seen him in some stuff. Francis Collins, is a, um, like a, he was a doctor and stuff, but he is the guy who became in charge of the Human Genome Project. Uh, you might have seen him. He was involved with Alpha. He's done some stuff with Alpha. He's appeared in Youth Alpha stuff. And um, he tells this story about how uh, he kind of grew up totally against faith but, and, and slowly came to faith as he was given, um, given a copy of C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity and his kind of world was changed and he came to faith in Christ. But he, Collins talks a lot about how faith and science can coexist and are compatible and talks about how he, in his, all his time, in his decades and decades, uh, of being in the field of science, that no one has come to him and made him make a choice to choose between the two. And he continues to take opportunities to share about how what he has learned in science points him towards God. We uh, saw some uh, beautiful images, and there were some beautiful passages on the screen. Uh, scripture is filled with these, uh, these references to how uh, what we see in creation and what we can learn in creation points us towards God. Just a couple of those for us. Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 to 4 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Uh, another one uh, from the New Testament, that's of course from the Old Testament. From the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans says this in chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. There are all kinds of things in creation that point us towards God. And, and uh, as we learn, come to understand the world through science, we can see some of those as well. Now we could pause here and we could have a long uh, discussion about some of the, the difficult questions or some of the difficult things or some of the pushbacks on that, but we won't do that in this time or space um, this morning. But there are, yeah, there are some difficult conversations we have to have, and there are some things that tie into even stuff that like Pastor Brian talked about in week one of the series of how reliable is the Bible? What is, the, what is the Bible? Is it one book? Is, it, is the Bible a giant science textbook? I would say it's not. And yet it, we still learn all these things about, about God and his created world in there. Um, again, a longer discussion uh, we, could have, we could have another time. 
For these three reasons, uh, I believe that uh, science and faith are compatible. Science came out of faith. Uh, they're addressing kind of different things. And I believe that science also points to the fact that the, points us towards God, points us towards there being a creator. So what? Um, what does this mean for your life? What does this mean for my life? How does this impact us as we leave this room today? As you go to your job this week, as you hang out with your family, as you connect with friends, what does this mean for you? Well, I, I just want to say a couple of things. One is this series, this series is called Be Prepared. Um, and it comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where it says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is really, really important. We need to know why, what we believe and why we believe it. This is, uh, as I work with young people, this is always a, a significant challenge. As they're in a place of, uh, of uh, moving from having embraced their parents or their family or grandma or someone else's faith to owning their, their faith for themselves, for it becoming their own. And for some of us, this carries on throughout our life. And we, it's really important for us to take time to really stop and analyze what do, and say, what do we believe and why do I believe it? Um, we, uh, as we talked about at the end of the Colossians series, we are all called to go out and share the good news of Jesus. And so we need to know what that is and, and, and why we believe it. Um, another, another verse that I think points to the importance for why we need to be prepared. Um, from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, where Paul writes this. Then you will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I think this happens to us. Because these waves are so large, they're like a tsunami in our culture. These waves, these ways of thinking that are so contrary to how, um, how God created us to think about his world and to how God created us to live, we sometimes get swept up in them. We sometimes get swept away by them. And we don't even realize it. And so, again, I think we need to be prepared. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to be prepared? Well, uh, it, it, comes, it comes with being in the Word. It becomes by coming to God and asking the same Holy Spirit who, as Brian talked about, uh, had this book written and had it kept together in this way so that you and I can understand who God is, it comes by having a relationship with this book, by reading this book and studying this book and memorizing this book and talking about this book. And I know for you, if you've been in the faith a long time, you're like, yeah, Zach, that's pretty basic. And it is basic, and yet it is so profound and it is so important. When we stray from this, we're not prepared. We're not ready um, we're not ready to, to give the answer for the, the hope that we have. And so we need to be prepared. For you, as, as you think about this idea of science, and again, I know there's a lot of pitfalls and different things we didn't touch on this morning and we could. There's tons of great uh, resources uh, written by brothers and sisters um, that you can read that can help you understand things better. I mentioned some of them. Uh, the Problem of God by Mark Clark. I've read this book. It's, it's, a, it's a really good book. The chapter on the problem of science is really uh, really, really great. The, the, the book about the cuckoos, I, I don't have it. It just got released. I'm looking forward to reading. I don't know Dr. Proven's work. I'm looking forward to engaging with that and seeing how it, it helps me understand the, the parts of those conversations better. 
Another book that just came out this, um, this summer, and I've started to read. I haven't read the whole thing. I don't want to uh, fully endorse it yet, but I think there are some really interesting things in this book called God Speaks Science by John Van Slotten, who's a, a pastor in Calgary. Um, there are a ton. We have a library. It's open on Wednesdays. Did you know that? We have a library that has a number of books where you can be resourced and you can uh, grow in your understanding of this larger conversation about, uh, about science and about faith. The last thing I want to say is this. Uh, well, two things. One thing is this idea of gentleness and respect. I think this is really important as we have this conversation with people about science and about faith. You are going to come up, uh, you're going to come into conversations where people are going to have incredibly strong opinions that are very different than yours. And that they, they like faith and science, they won't be compatible. And I just encourage you uh, as brothers and sisters in the faith to, to use gentleness and to have respect for people who don't share uh, your, your worldview, don't share our worldview yet, uh, as you engage in the opportunity to share who Jesus is with them, because that's what we are all about as a church, or about knowing Jesus and making him known. The, the last thing I want to say is, is, and I'll close with this, Matthew, you can, your team can, can come on up if you like. Um, last thing I want to say is this, is one of the great things about... Um, oh, about studying God, and, and, and again, science points us to there being someone who created this, um, is that God, and I think I said this before, but God is not this God who created things and then just walked away from them and kind of just left them. Uh, God, the God of the Bible, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a transcendent God who, unlike people who have a different worldview, who feel incredibly lonely, and feel incredibly lost at times in life, and all like they're all by themselves, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you don't have that. The creator of the universe cares about you, and as we sang, he loves you, and he is with you in all that you're going through. As you're wrestling with questions like this, as you're dealing with loss, whatever's going on in your life, one of the amazing things that we can know as we, as we come to better understand who God is and what he's done is that he is there for us in the midst of all that we're going through. Amen? Amen.